Welcome in to the Soren Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Braden, and I am joined, as always, by the pineapple from down south. No, he does not live under the sea. Alan Pena. <laughs> Alan, I'm mixing it up a little, and I'm enjoying myself. How are you doing today? Hey, I, I know. It, it's good to mix it up. I'm doing good as well. Um, I know you are the, the, the man from the north. <laughs> <laughs> and But I've been good. I can't complain. Uh, with the weekend now starting it's it doesn't get better than that so i'm but i'm i'm doing well keeping it going each day with a great attitude that's how uh, you got to do it man yeah uh i'm looking forward to the weekend myself should be a good one got some fun plans with the wife today we're gonna go have some fun oh, that's uh good. And uh, also got a lot of homework I hope I can get to after uh, we're done recording and I'm done working out after this <laughs> particular recording. But it is Friday, April 30th. It is almost May. May is almost here, ladies and gentlemen. And it is exciting. The Champions League semifinals first leg is over with. And uh, we uh, won't be talking about that in this particular episode other than to mention that uh, Chelsea and Real Madrid have tied. Uh, in the first leg, and I have yet to watch the finish the Paris and uh, Man City game, Alan. But how did that end? I'll just tell you um, the comeback Manchester City pulled off. Wow. Like, I did not expect that. And I think really how they played, they showed that we, we, we really wanted, we're tired of saying we can't win in Europe. Now this is their opportunity, so uh, we'll see what leg two has to offer this Tuesday. And I think really it's going to come, it's really going to be a heck of a game now. It's now going to be who wants it more. And remember, only six teams have come back being down in in the first leg to win the second one. So it has happened, but only six of them have come back. So could Paris be the seventh? Well, we're going to find out Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, we will. And uh, for those that watched uh, the Europa League, uh, phenomenal night. Manchester City beats uh, Roma. You mean Manchester United? Or yeah, United. Sorry. I was looking at it wrong. Anyway, Manchester United (laughs) beats Roma 6-2 in a phenomenal game. Uh, The other game was Arsenal and I will butcher this name, but Villarreal. Villarreal. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. Villarreal beats Arsenal 2-1. to one. So phenomenal nights of soccer happening. For those listening in, you're probably wondering, are we going to continue talking about soccer or what are we going to be talking about today? And uh, it's a little bit of a mix-up today. We couldn't. We came in today and a little behind-the-scenes preview. We uh, knew we were recording today. We just didn't fully understand what we wanted to record today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have our Ulfstiener episode coming up next. We'll be talking about that next. There's uh, some more research Alan and I both want to do before we both feel comfortable with, with that one. Um, we know we've been previewing that for a while. Uh, just hang with us. It's coming out soon. Uh, it'll come out sometime next week, hopefully. Uh, and after that, we're going to be continuing our uh, rivalry series with uh, which teams, Alan? What's our next rivalry? Uh, well, one of the rivalries I want to go through is the uh, Manchester Derby in, uh, with Manchester United and Manchester City, especially with the recent years, how um, now – it's gotten to a point where it's even 
even though some will say no way, but it's part of the part part of the game. So we we will talk about that, and there'll be other rivalries we'll be talking about. So just stay tuned, and and we'll we'll keep riding the ship moving forward. Yeah, we will. So that's kind of a preview as to what's coming out for the next couple of weeks. You're probably still wondering what we got coming on today, and. We're going to be talking about the impact of the World Baseball Classic, Alan. Um, one of the best competitions in baseball, in my opinion. We're going to talk about it and why it's good for baseball. Uh, we're also going to talk about our top five athletes uh, with the sports we cover to never win a championship. And uh, we'll go from there. So, uh, yeah, Alan, let's jump right into it. So, why don't you explain to our listeners here what is the world baseball classic because i didn't know what it was until a couple years ago so uh let's kind of let people in on the secret because i think it's kind of this weird secret for baseball well think about when you world baseball classic think about it as if it was the world cup of baseball or (laughs) you can look at it as the olympics as well that's fine either way but that's what it is it's basically and the the World Cup of Baseball, like where the best of the best, like you're not going to see amateurs in there. That's where you're going to see major league ball players there. Like the best of the best compete there, and they try to represent. They represent their the countries very well, and and the goal is to not just bring that pride into it, but also to win, to to win the the classic, and that's what it truly, it really is. Look at it is if it's the World Cup or the Olympics. Either way, it has the same vibe and excitement in, in when watching the game of baseball. It, it really does, Alan. I think there's uh, no understatement there. I think the World Cup or uh, even maybe the Champions League to a certain extent has that same vibe to what this World Baseball Classic is. It's really just where these players, because we all know these players, they come from all over the world. And they'll play for their country. Um, unfortunately, I don't know if Max Kepler ever will represent Germany in the World Baseball Classic, just because I don't know if uh, Germany's got a lot of players to format a full team for the World Baseball Classic. But for those that didn't know, Max Kepler is actually from Germany. So when we talk about first, when we get into the baseball with our uh, first player, international player in the league, we'll definitely be talking about that. Um, but yeah, so uh, Javi Baez, you know, El Magico, he's represented uh, his country. I want to say it's Puerto Rico, but that feels wrong as I say it. Actually, I think it is Puerto Rico. Yeah, I think so too. It is Puerto Rico. Uh, you've had a lot of great players that have been in this classic that really, you see a different side of it. And I think that's the other beauty of the World Baseball Classic. Like when you, you look at these ball players like, yeah, they're great ball players. They're excellent. But when you see them put on their country's uniform, you see a different personality where it's like, okay, I get to showcase other aspects of my game that are not well known. And they carried it over even when they, after they're done with their ball club. So it's, it, you see a lot when they're wearing their country's uniform. Yeah. And it, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, 
And I think it's really interesting that to talk about because there's when you watch, I think the best way to relate what we're talking about now is if you watch the movie Miracle, right? Uh, and when you listen to us talk about the miracle on ice in our first few episodes, um, you you can definitely tell that there's a point for the U.S. national team where they come together, they band together and realize that they're wearing something that's not just about them on that on their in their uniform. And there's that point where they come together, realize that, and then they just become this team. And you hear players when they represent their countries, they talk about that all the time. And I think that's really important to remember. Um, we talked about it a little bit in our last episode where part of the proposed punishments for these players that were in the Super League was not letting them play on that national team. And Alan and I were so against that. And that this is partly why, because players, they love to represent their team and their country. And when you're in the MLB, you you do that automatically by being from where you're from. And, you know, we mentioned Javi Baez already. He's being from Puerto Rico, you know, he, his whole career is in part, thanks to Roberto Clemente, who paved the way for a lot of Puerto Ricans to continue to come into the game. And so to have a chance to have Puerto Rico represented in the game uh, that an all-time great played with Roberto Clemente is truly awe-inspiring. And I think that's why we need to continue to have the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, um, I, I, go ahead. And I do no. agree with that. But also, I would even say, if you look how it started, the World Baseball Classic, it wasn't like it. Like, remember when it's when it, when baseball got voted out of the Olympics by the um, International Olympic Committee, it changed everything. Like, it's like, okay, um, what's next? What? And put into context, like, how is baseball going to showcase to the world? Hey, like, this is, this is the best, and you can make it to that level too. But I give a lot of credit to, to Bud Selig and the Players Association during that time and in 05 that, hey, we're going to do this World Baseball Classic and we're, and we're going to showcase the best and we're going to sh- – this is like pretty much where like it, it was like, yeah, it's going to be great, but also it was going to be like, okay, we're just going to di- roll the dice a bit and see where this goes because it really – it was like that poking of the bear, like, let's do it, but also like, let's let's how how far we can push it. And to be honest with you, it was the perfect platform for a lot of these players, a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Uh, Cargo Carlos Gonzalez, he he's participated and represented Venezuela in uh, the World Baseball Classic, and he just mm-hmm. talked about how it it was different for him in a lot of ways of and making it just feel right in a lot of ways if i remember the quotes that he was saying and what he was and understood what he was saying like he it basically was just an opportunity for them to almost play in their own backyard again you know yeah. we got to remember for a lot of these latin born players they they leave their homes at age 16 17 start off in low level way low a and they don't understand but they may or may not understand English perfectly. Um, 
So culture shock and all these things that happen at a very young age, and they might not be able to see their families for quite a long time. And so the World Baseball Classic for them is a way to, once they, for them to return to their homes and not only see their families and their friends again, but also play for their country in a way they never thought they'd be able to in a long time. So there, there's something that that represents in a lot of ways for them. Yeah, it does. It, it just represents that clo- closure that, all right, now I can showcase to my home country, hey, w- this is what we have and we're going to deliver and try to deliver. And it was. And the teams that jumped right in was the turnout for the first World Baseball Classic in 2006 was unbelievable. Like you, we mentioned several. You mentioned Puerto Rico, uh, the U.S. obviously joining in. Uh, the Dominican Republic joining in Venezuela, Mexico, Cuba, and Cuba about Cuba. That was the biggest reason why it happened. If you look at Cuba um, and I've seen them in the Pan American games, um, they're basically the New York Yankees. Like they've won pretty much every competition when it comes to the international station baseball. So without Cuba, um, this tournament wouldn't have existed. Even, obviously, you have Japan and South Korea. Um, the manager of Japan at that time, um, Sadoharu Oh, he mentioned without Cuba, this tournament, it would have not been legitimate. And, and this is a, a manager who, coming from Asia, a legend in Japan, which he, he holds the the Japanese home run record, I think of a 867 home run, something like that, but he owns it. He said it. When you have someone like that coming from another continent saying without Cuba, this tournament would have not existed. It shows the impact that Cuban baseball has on the international globe. And it even gave Cuba the opportunity to show, hey, we don't have a lot of Baseball, we don't have a lot of major leaguers, but we do have talent, and we're going to showcase it. And that's why Cuba, they made the World Baseball Classic happen. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think while there's not, there's been quite a bit of Cuban-born players in the league, definitely not as much as you or I would love to see actually be in the league and participate. But there's been a lot. You're uh, – very own Dodgers employed a Cuban-born player for a long time, Yasiel Puig. Yeah. Who, uh, I don't know if he's still in the league at this point. He's in Mexico now. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, and he was great for the Dodgers. He was instrumental in that World Series run back in 2018. Yeah, Yeah, even uh, Yuli Gurriel. He was actually on the first World Baseball Classic team who's now playing for the Astros. Like, he... He did talk about that, like how it was a big deal. Even the the directors were like, how how the assistants and of others allowed them to go. And even though because of the embargo that is still happening, um, they couldn't get any price money. And if you put it into perspective, like just because of what happened politically, it doesn't mean hey we cannot include Cuba. And I'm glad they were included because it's like, okay, I want to see how good they are. I heard, I've seen, okay, they got some pretty good bats, like power hitting players. And yeah, that, 
that allowed Cuba to go in and and really it, it just shows the impact that without Cuba, the World Baseball Classic would have not existed. And that is probably huge. The huge thing that we probably at times don't notice. Cuba, when it comes to baseball, they are the Yankees. And when you have a team like that join a tournament like of a big stage in baseball, then it will create interest. It will create opportunities. And it will even create moments where it will never be forgotten. Oh, and it, it definitely won't. Like, there's definitely this major rivalry in the World Baseball Classic between the U.S. and Cuba. And, I mean, there's some political stuff that goes on into the U.S. and Cuban rivalry in general. But, like, when it comes to the playing field, like, it's almost as bad as, like, uh, the Red Sox and Yankees used to get in the early 2000s. And it, it's just fantastic to watch and really fun to watch. And honestly, Alan, I think that'll be worth its own rivalry series episode. Just how intense that these U.S. and Cuban games can get. And Cubans, the Cubans have come out on top a bit more than I'll, I bet a lot of Americans would like to admit. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, hey, that's baseball. You know, you never know what's fully going to happen until it happens. And, uh, yeah. So uh, there's an intense rivalry there. Um, Japan's always been pretty good in these competitions. So it's it's just really fun to see just how much baseball is prevalent besides places in the U.S. You know, like people like to argue with me nowadays when I talk about the World Series and they go, oh, it's not a, it's not a world. You can't call it the World Series or call yourselves world champions. You're it's an American-based league. It's an American game. And I'm like, excuse me. Let's talk about this, okay? There's Japanese players on a lot of these teams. There's Venezuelans. There's Puerto Ricans. There's Cubans, Dominican Republicans. There's uh, Venezuelans, I probably mentioned. There's Cubans. There's players from all over the world on these teams now. And if you try to tell us that baseball is not a world game or it's not the World Series is illegitimately called because of you know, the way the title or, and world champions, uh, let us inform you that a lot of these players, they come from all over the world now. I mean, we mentioned early in the beginning of the episode, Max Kepler, he's from Germany and he plays on the Twins. If the Twins ever win it all, that'll be, well, I think, I'll, I'll, I'll double check this, Alan, but I think that'll be the first year, like European born player to actually win it all. Mm, that's interesting. I, I've not, I haven't been aware of that. But it'll be good, yeah, to to have that happen. Someone from Europe winning it, but it's it's great, and that's the stage that the World Baseball Classic has. And even another thing that it really it opened my eyes, and I did see the first edition of the World Baseball Classic in two thousand six. I was twelve when it started. I remember it, and the first game that the U.S. played, I remember they played Canada, and I'm like, oh well, the U.S. They have loaded, like they have, I remember that team, they had Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez, King Griffey Jr., Chipper Jones. Uh, they had Roger Clemens. Um, that's a lot of big time star power there. And I thought, oh, they're going to be Canada. The only guy I knew from Canada was um, that was Jason Bay. He was playing for the Pirates at the time. I thought, okay, that's it. And Canada destroyed the U.S., 
when that happened, that's when I realized, uh oh, this is not going to be a, a where the U.S. is going to come in and win because it's the pe- America's pastime. It was going to be like we're going to see something special, and we did. We did see something special, and especially the second game versus um, Japan. And I'll, I'll, I remember there was a documentary on that I saw it air on MLB Network. They were playing Japan, and the Japanese players that were not in the majors were amazed because they were watching Ken Griffey Jr. bat, Alex Rodriguez, Derek Jeter, all those guys just in awe in batting practice. And then there was Ichiro, the great Ichiro, who he was on that team. He, he sensed this. And this is a Japanese, uh, a reporter who covers the Japanese league. Like he mentions this and he, Ichiro brings everybody together. And I don't know the exact words he said, but I'll paraphrase it. But he basically goes like, hey, um, now is not the time to be in awe of your of the competition. Like you guys are are as good, if not better, than than these guys. So you better not look up to them. You better look down on them. And that set the tone for Japan. Like it really showed that when you have someone like Ichiro and it it got it even showed another side of Ichiro that he brought leadership skills. He developed them. And because of that, even though they lost to Japan to the US that game for three, that game, however, it gave them the confidence that they needed to to get to the final. And it showed, and obviously the U.S. later got eliminated by Mexico, which that entirely changed the classic, where mm-hmm. it was like, all right, we're, now we're going we're gonna to get to see other teams play. And in shock, like, how come the U.S. didn't make it to the final? But that will be a different story. But just for that notion of Ichiro showing that leadership skill, it gets, in, it gets you to know what what type of ball player he was. And even you got to know the Japanese players better. Yeah. I mean, Ichiro is a phenomenal player. And before I continue, I kind of want to backtrack something that I uh, had said earlier in the episode with not knowing something. Uh, Thanks to uh, a website called the sporting.blog. It talks about Europeans in the major leagues. And they talk about how some of the major company or major companies, major uh, countries from Europe that are that have are big into baseball, and the best ones are in the Netherlands, Italy, Germany, and the Czech Republic. So Max Kepler, if in the next World Baseball Classic, would probably be on Team Germany. Um, so uh, yeah, just wanted to backtrack that before I continued with with uh, going off the balance statement. Um, but yeah, so like I think it's important to to go through and realize a lot of these players we we get to see how good they really are in these settings, and it's really important to realize uh, that these players they love to play for their country and they love to uh, be a part of that. So, 
But yeah, like each real man, don't be surprised if he shows up on my top five list later. Probably, but seriously, like at least him winning, leading his team to win the first two World Baseball Classics, it got to show, okay, baseball has gone international. You see the impact of baseball. And then even we see upsets in the World Baseball Classic. The Netherlands, you mentioned, getting in 2010, getting past the Dominican Republic, beating them twice. It's like, it's pretty much, how would I compare this to? It's pretty much if Japan were to beat Argentina in the group stage of the World Cup, eliminating them. Or actually, no, I'll give you one recent. South Korea eliminating Germany mm. out of the World Cup. That's, that's probably how I could compare it to. Just because, like, the Netherlands, I thought, ah, uh, they're, they're a soccer t- country. Like, that would be no problem. The, the Dominican Republic will destroy them. Dead wrong. I was like, what the heck? And then I realized that was the beauty of the classic. You get to see these upsets. Like, mm-hmm. how in the world did this happen? And I think for those that haven't watched the World Baseball Classic, tune into it. Like, I know there's none this year just because of COVID. But and the Olympics comes- are this year and baseball's in the Olympics this year. So that's probably taking precedence. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, but I, we're talking World Baseball Classic. Watch, watch the past ones. You will be amazed. Like, wow, this did happen? Yeah, and yes, it did. These upsets, like, it's probably the one sport where, like, it's all about, hey, you got to set the tone. You got to not not be confident because just one hit could change the complexity of of the game so it's just some it's just great to see when there's upsets in that stage then you're like okay i got i want to know these guys where do they come from where do they play and it gets you going to to cheer for them even if at the end they get eliminated but still it just gives you a sense of like, okay, I'm going to root for the underdog. Yeah, for sure. And Alan, I don't know if you knew, know this, but obviously you know who Didi Gregorius is. Yes. Did you know he's from the Netherlands? Yeah, I knew that. I did not. So uh, that when you were mentioning Team Netherlands upset in uh, Germany, you said they, it's who they upset? No, they upset it. It was in 2010. Mm. They upset at the Dominican Republic. Yeah. So I don't know if he was he he might have been on the team team Netherlands at that point. I do not, not know for I'll sure. I'll tell you who it was because he made his major league debut in 2012. So he would have been in the minors. So I don't know if he would have uh, been on team. Netherlands. I don't know, but I'll tell you who who it was. And they interviewed him. Um, Canley Jansen, the closer for the Dodgers. Oh, I didn't know he was from the yeah, Netherlands he, too. And the thing was, he was a catcher for that team. I did not know that. He was a catcher. I'm like... Yeah, he was a catcher turned uh, pitcher. Yeah, absolutely. I did not know that. I'm like, whoa. I I did not know that about him. And he performed very well. Especially, like, when he got Willie Taveras out for stealing second. Like, it was just... It was just a confidence booster for the Netherlands. Like, playing, playing spoiler... And that World Baseball Classic, like, that's where you're going to see teams like that just want to spoil the party for 
a traditional baseball powerhouse. And, and that's great about the game. Like you're mm-hmm. going to see these spoilers. And from there, what happens in those world baseball classics and even to those teams that get first place that are not in the major leagues. And it's, this is the beauty of it. A lot of them, the following year, you'll see them in the major leagues. And that's where you will appreciate them more. You could talk about Daisuke Matsuzaka pitching wonderfully versus Cuba. Cuba couldn't even hit anything against him. Then a year later, he wins a World Series with the Boston Red Sox. You could say Kusuke Fukudome with the Cubs. Yuamura when he was with the race. And then the following year, um, you Darvish closing out in 2010. You see him now, he's with the Rangers. Now he's been with the Rangers. The Who else has been? Dodgers, I think. Cubs. Uh, he's on the Padres right now. Now he's with the Padres, yeah. So he's bounced around. But all, all of that happens because of the World Baseball Classic. You see him on the majors and you get to see, oh, I remember that guy. I remember he pitched He he pitched great. Or I'm like, oh, I remember that guy. He hit, he, he hit those key hits for... Team Japan or or Puerto Rico, like I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And that that shows what baseball can do. Like just produce great players on the world stage. And these scouts, they're gonna be like, why would how come we don't have this? Let's get them. And that's the beauty of it. It really is, man. And like I don't know. What else to really say on the World Baseball Classic other than, you know, in a way, I'm kind of sad it's not happening this year. But in a way, we also get it because come June, we're going to be previewing our favorite sports in the Olympics. And uh, you better believe we'll be mentioning baseball. So uh, I think one thing I think that really that Bryce Harper mentioned in a starting nine interview he gave was if you really want baseball to grow is have your major leaguers participate in the Olympics and allow that because all the other big four, well, big three, the NBA and the NHL specifically, they allow their, their uh, major league talent to participate in the sport. And look what that's done for these sports. It's helped them grow internationally. And yeah. I think having, you know, Imagine how fun it would be, you know, if this was your, you know, your, your uh, USA starting lineup and the 2021 Summer Olympics. Uh, I have no idea if batting order or anything, but like leadoff, or let's just say Mike Trout. Okay, batting behind him, Mookie Betts, Christian Yelich. Uh, who else would be the, on that team? <laughs> uh, Freddie Freeman. No, Freddie Freeman, uh, Nolan Arenado. Trevor Story, uh, list goes on and on. But imagine like it basically be the All Star Game, but all in one team. So, uh, and that just sounds exciting to me. And I think that if baseball were to really do that, think of we have the three greatest outfielders in the game currently: of Max, uh, not Max, uh, Bryce Harper, Mike Trout, and Mookie Betts. Great, phenomenal power hitters, contact hitters. And they all are roaming our outfield, like in the Olympics. Like, how cool would that be? We already know Mike Trout's the best in the game. Mookie Betts is close behind him. And for me, I would put uh, Bryce Harper on that list somewhere. So, uh, 
And then obviously, you know, you have Nolan Arenado, greatest third baseman in the game at third base. Uh, I'm sure uh, we can, we can just, that'd be a fun discussion for another episode, but like it's, there's just imagine like seeing Mike Trout, Mookie, and these guys that we love to see, just imagine them on the world stage showing off baseball to a world audience in the Olympics and just how amazing that would be. And uh, your mouth, my mouth kind of waters at that thought. (laughs) (laughs) And I think there will be a time where that happens. Um, I know not a lot of these owners want to let go of their players, but it probably will take someone, a commissioner who thinks above and beyond the game of baseball that wants to see, okay, let's go international. Uh, um, and even though it has made efforts for that, but it's going to take someone who is like, you know what? Like, let's, let's make our game grow. Like, let's be in the Olympics. Like we look at the NBA sending their players there. It's brought a lot of growth to, to a lot of nations. Hockey, you can mention the same thing. Uh, even soccer, even though soccer, you can only allow three players to be over 23. Mm-hmm. But still, um, if there's a way for if baseball adapts either the soccer rule where they can get three players to that are over 23 to get there or three major leaguers, whatever, it could happen. But I think it's going to be a long time mm-hmm. before we see major league ba- ball players in in the Olympics. No, I think so too. And I think it might take maybe even the next Olympics at least before it happens. And my mind was still reeling on like a, a team. Okay. So here's the starting rotation for you. If Clayton Kershaw's not retired, he'd be number, he'd be uh, no, the number one in that rotation behind the him, Jacob DeGrom um, behind him. Uh, I had it and then I lost it, but like those would be your one, two punches in your starting rotation. Um, oh, Garrett Cole in the three spot. Like, already, one, two, three, we won the first three games, second, if, unless, like, the other start, or, you know, baseball happens. But, like, with how phenomenal those pitchers are and the lineup we'd have behind them, like, that's just going to be an amazing game to watch, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you could yeah. arguably put, like, Walker Bueller in the four spot and be just fine. Or, uh, you know, just for having teams or just to try and get a lot of the teams represented, like I, I'd have to look more into this. So maybe, maybe what we do is we'll, we research this and we'll put a graphic out of our dream, uh, dream team for uh, a U.S. mate born mm-hmm. uh, lineup. And we can, Alan, you could do it for Mexico too. And we can go from yeah, there. It'll be, it'll be interesting how, how, how these teams will be made up of just major league ball players in in the Olympics. So it, it's going to be intense. And I think Bryce Harper is right. You know, that is the best way to grow the game. Baseball right now, all they say is we work, we want to grow the game. We want to grow the game. We want to grow the game. Implementing these rule changes. That's not how you grow the game, man. Okay. Get, this is maybe, this is like maybe three weeks away from an episode that we'll talk about, but get rid of blackout restrictions. Okay. I am in Idaho and I can't watch my team play because of blackouts. Like that's ridiculous. Like I can't go. The whole point of buying the, the, the package is so I can watch those games 
without having to go to the stadium. Like, I can't physically go to the stadium because I don't want to drive nine hours when I'm in school to go see a game. Like, I can't physically do that or afford that, but I can afford the pack, the TV package, yet I can't watch my team play unless it's on replay and the game's over. Like, and it's just not as fun as watching it live. So, yeah, you can tell I have a lot of thoughts about this. We'll get into that another day. Yeah, that'll be some <laughs> other time. More, more of a marketing uh episode on that and maybe we'll bring in uh Braden Toro uh a student in sports marketing with the uh, Purdue Global and uh, have give have him give his thoughts on this subject too yeah um, so uh but yeah so Alan I think we've talked a lot about the World Baseball Classic and we kind of get talked about major leaguers in the Olympics um I think it's time we start talking about our top five athletes with the sports we cover uh to never win a championship yeah. Um, I'm sure you'll have some soccer athletes. Mine's probably going to be baseball and hockey heavy just because that's kind of the sports yeah. I kind of know a bit more. Um, but yeah, so let's start off. How do you want to do it? Do you want to go one through five or do you want to go um, five through one? Let's start I, at the bottom and work our way up. But before we start, I'll, I'll explain how do we got talking about mm-hmm. this. So you ready for me to explain it, Brayden? Yeah, let's go for it. And I okay. think, honestly, before you get to it, I honestly think we could, if we have time and we can think of more players as we go, we could even do a top 10. Yeah, either way. We'll start with the top five and we'll go from there. Okay, we'll do that then, but we'll get into how this came about. Uh, Well, uh, I was watching um, on ESPN called First Take and and the host of it, the co-host of it, Stephen A. Smith, mentioned his top five athletes who have never won a championship. And he mentioned his his list was pretty interesting. He mentioned one active player, Carmelo Anthony. And I was like, he could still get a championship if he's in the right team. And I, it, But it got me thinking, you know what? Who are the top five athletes who, in our, our opinion, are like, they were so close. And, and that's where I sent this over to to Braden and obviously to a Toro from Noble Sports Guy. And what do you guys think of it? And it was a great discussion. So I was like, let's talk about this in our new episode and today. And that's how we are where we are right now. Yeah. So Alan, why don't we start from five, work our way up to one? I mean, there's no really ranking in this. It's just a way to do it. Yeah. Um, who do you got in your number five spot? Okay, my number five spot, uh, I would go with um, John Stockton. Yeah. Uh, John Stockton, uh, twice uh, in a row in the NBA Finals. I understand that's, oh, they lost to the Bulls, they lost to Michael Jordan. But in reality, if you ask me, 98 would have probably been their best shot. And the reason why, even though we were down 3-1, they won game five. Game six, they had it. And, and obviously they blew it. But then later when I saw the last dance, um, the Bulls were like, like, we're going to, we, we got to finish it. Like there's no tomorrow. Cause I I could, they never said, oh, if they never said this, but I got the feeling out of it. Had they lost game six in Salt Lake city, the jazz would have won game seven. 
they would have gotten their championship. They probably would have been the first team to come. They would have been the first team to come back 3-1 in an NBA Finals to win it. Mm-hmm. That, it would have changed. <clears throat> Legacies would have changed completely. I don't know if we would have viewed Michael, how we would view Michael Jordan. Or, and, how, and then how we will look at John Stockton. Even though he's the greatest point guard of all time, obviously Magic is the greatest, but with John Stockton getting one, it, who knows what would have happened and legacies could have been changed forever, but that didn't happen. So John Stockton to be number five. No, like I'd agree with that. And I think, you know, my dad would probably agree with that too. Like that 98 team was one of the best jazz teams ever uh, in recent memory. And my dad, as a big jazz fan, he would have loved to see him win that championship. And I think honestly, the jazz might have a decent shot this year, but I don't think with the West being wide open with the Lakers, not really being themselves lately. So the jazz might actually have a chance to win it all again this year. So we'll have to wait and see, but like, but yeah, like I'm sure my dad would agree that 98 team was the best shot the Jazz have had in a long time. Absolutely. <clears throat> All right. So f- number five for me uh, is uh, I'm going to go uh, baseball here and I'm going to put in Todd Helton. Uh, he, for me, you know, he's in what inspired me in a lot of ways to become a baseball player. Uh, he, one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, while he did play in the championship, we did get swept by the Red Sox that year. Um, but like they, the best team that probably had a shot, well, that he was still on was, if not the 2007 team, was 2009. Um, but uh, they they saw the playoffs that year too. So, um, but yeah, like I think personally, Todd Helton's number five on my list just because one of what he means to a lot of people in Colorado and what he meant for the game of baseball. One of the greatest first basemen in the game of his era. Um, You know, a lot of pitchers, they hated to go up against him. You know, the Cruz effect didn't necessarily seem to bother him as much. His road home splits were fairly, fairly similar. And I know I have my purple pentaglasses glasses on when I say this, but he should have, he should be in the hall of fame. I think in due time, he will be in the hall of fame. I was amazed saying t- you picked Todd Helton. I was like, he had w- only one World Series appearance, but granted, I get it. He's your guy. Um, he, I bet if you saw, if Todd Helton was in front of you, you probably would cry. And I'm saying this as a complimentary because it's true. Knowing you for that long, yeah, you would cry of joy. But I could see why Todd Helton. Okay, it's it's a fair argument. And like. I know I have a lot of my nostalgia playing in that role too, but like if you also look at a lot of the teams he was on, other than the early 90s when he was a rookie and arguably could have run rookie of the year and with Larry Walker and a lot of the Blake Street Bombers as they were fizzling out, like other than those teams, 2007 and 2009 were his best shot to actually go in and win it. And it's because I didn't think I'd get into this with this, but like, the Rockies, they just don't ever like to put on a, a very competitive product on the field in their history, and it's ridiculous. Yeah. But <laughs> we, know, we know that there's an episode don't on. Get me started on that, please. Check it out. <laughs> Check it out. It's the MLB preview 
check it out. That's when he goes bananas on it. But, but yeah, like it's understandable why it was taught, and I'm okay, I'm okay with that. Yeah, because like honestly, like of of his era in baseball, uh, he's never been associated with the steroids because he was in the steroid era. But like, so putting that aside, like whether or not he did him, I don't really care. But he's he's one of the very few that, regardless of league, uh, sport, stuck with his team his entire career. He only played for the Rockies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, for me, means something. And it means whether or not you're actually, like, truly, you know, in the GOAT discussion, you should be a part of, recognized as one of the best athletes of all time. Just because you stuck with the team through thick and thin. Um, you took pay cuts, some probably, I don't know. I'd have to look up that, but like he, he did what he could to help that team and lead that mm-hmm. team. And look at what's happened at first base for the Rockies since 2017 when he retired. It's not been the same, or was it 2013? Either way, when when uh, Help retired, we've had a hole at first base that for some odd reason the organization just refuses to to fill. So. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, so Alan, who's number four? Number four for me. Um, in baseball, I would go with the great Jim Tomey. Mm, good pick. Jim Tomey. And, man, he's one of, I don't know how many players to hit 500 home runs, the power hitter, um, the guy clean through and through. And here's the thing. He played on perhaps one of the greatest 90s teams, the Cleveland Indians 90s team. Well, it just wasn't him. You had guys like Omar Vizquel, um, Albert Bell. Uh, I want to say Grady Sizemore, but I feel like that's wrong. No, the 90s, uh, Sandy Alomar Jr., those, the 90s teams. And two World Series appearances, two, couldn't get it done. The first one, they were playing the Braves. Like, the Braves, they were like that, at that time, they were just like. No one could have beaten the Braves in that World you Series. You couldn't beat the Braves. Their starting pitching was, pitching was unbelievable. My Rockies yeah. ran into the Braves a couple times in that round. <laughs> yeah. So there it was, the Braves. But 97 against the Marlins. And only the Marlins have been in the majors for four years already. And they had the lead. And, and at the end, um, Edgar Renteria made perhaps one of the great, one of the top five game-winning hits in World Series history. And it shot Cleveland and, and obviously like Jim, he talks about it. Like he says, I don't, I don't want to, I rarely talk about it. I don't want to talk about it because it was that bad. They were just getting the trophy ready to go celebrate. And then it transfers over from the Indians locker room to the Marlins locker room. And they've never recovered from that. And, and probably, and this is not Jim Thomas fault. Um, it also, ha- it, it had to do a lot with like, they didn't get the pitching and I, and you probably, you'll know this name, uh, John O'Dowd. Mm, yeah. Uh, he used to be in the, uh, the assistant GM for the Indians. He talked about, it wasn't none of these players fault. The only reason why we didn't win the world series, not just that year, but I would say, moving forward during that time 
was they never got a starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. And that's what derailed, derailed the team. And with Jim, uh, he, a great hitter, like I would, he would be one of those guys. If I'm looking for power hitting, get him. And he was an integral part of that team. The one of the heart and soul, but never, never couldn't get over the hump. So Jim Tomey, um, twice, um, that's why he's number four. In yeah. My category. Yeah. I'd say that's a real good pick Alan. Um, and, uh, I think Jim Tomey should be discussed. as one of the greatest baseball players of all time. I think. Yeah. Um, his impact on the nineties was phenomenal. Um, and what he did for Cleveland and what he meant for a lot of Cleveland fans is still impacting that city oh, yeah, and that, that baseball team. So, uh, yeah, like phenomenal baseball player. Honestly, could have won it in 97, but miracles happen. Uh, just yeah, as Scott do. Michaels. <laughs> they do happen. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, coming in for number four for me, I'm going to go uh, another great jazz of the 90s uh, with uh, Carl Malone. Carl Malone, yeah. Um, one of the best duos of the 90 was John Stockton and Carl Malone. Um, and uh, one of the great, I don't know if it was power forward or what.